Hey guys, TJ here. I hope you're inspired. I hope you're strengthened in your faith. And I hope that this episode specifically helps you take another step forward in seeking out your own relationship with your creator, your God. I don't want you to walk away from this buying my experience as your own. I don't want you to walk away from this doing exactly what a lot of people do, what I did for a long time in my life, where I was just totally disenchanted because I was doing this. Looking at everybody in a church setting, judging everybody's own experiences, and saying, I don't want that, I do want that. The reality is God gives you the opportunity for your own experience. And it's up to you to just be intentional about that relationship. And so in this episode, you're going to learn a little bit more about the difference between religion and relationship. You're going to learn more about God's goodness goodness and his faithfulness. You're also going to hear a chronological timeline of events and encounters with God that I've had over the last five years. I'm pulling back the curtain of really the God story behind my story because my story is a God story. And for so many years, I've had a hard time being able to just narrate all of the things that are really happening. It's like, it's not about this seminar and this coaching and this business and all these other things. It's like, it's about everything I share in this episode and what's actually been happening in my heart. And that has led me to change physically. It's led me to change mentally. It's it's totally broken down intellectual hurdles and barriers. And I really believe that these stories are going to do that for for you and have the have the ability to do that for you because I know because they're God's stories. They're not my stories. They're really they're stories of faith. They're stories of hope. They're stories of God's goodness. And he is good. He's better than you think. I really believe that. I don't live by faith. I live by evidence. That's one of my mentors. He told me that once and I said, man, I'm going to use that because after you listen to this episode, I think you're going to understand exactly what I mean. I appreciate you guys for listening. If you do get value out of this episode, anything you listen to that we do, please go ahead and either follow on Spotify or uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave also a rating and review. Share with a friend if you think it'll benefit them. And um, I appreciate you. Go to my website, tjloffler.com to sign up for my emails, get more notifications about podcasts, videos, private events, coaching, other things we're doing, as well as our online education platform that we've been building as well as get my book on the on my website too, corepillars.com or tjloffler.com slash core-pillars. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for your attention. Enjoy. Hey guys, it's TJ. We're going to talk about encounters with God today. This is a really life-changing thing um, for me. Just the not only the idea of what is an encounter with God, but how that's looked and the actual encounters that I've had over the last five years or so um, longer, but I just want to narrate some of these over the last five years because these are some of the things that have really changed who I am. And when you change who you are, you change where you're going. And when you change where you're going, wherever you were ending up in life is not the same as where you're going to end up now. You change the trajectory of your life and you have a different landing point. And for me, the last, you know, really 10 years have been, uh, I would say, a culmination of a lot of different changes to my trajectory. All I would you know, as I look back, I think increasing, right, in a positive way, positive changes to my trajectory. But they've been marked by these moments of encounters with God. They've been marked by these moments of encounters with God. And so I want to talk about encounters because 
this is something that's really not talked about in church settings uh, in a way that I think is approachable, understandable, and also, frankly, just genuine. There's a lot of, um, this is not putting anybody down. This is not saying anybody has a better view of this than somebody else. It's to say that my observation is that it's very easy to, when you're in a culture, community, group of people that has a certain expectation, it's very easy to just speak to people's expectations. And so I think one of the main benefits of me talking about it in this format right now is that hopefully, I mean, I'm not a pastor, I'm not in a church setting. You guys really, I don't think that you have an expectation other than, hey, TJ has an experience or experiences that he wants to share. I might benefit from those experiences and it might actually shape my own journey in a way that benefits me and other people around me. So I hope that that's the case for you. And before I go any further, um, I just want to talk about the idea of receiving with faith. Okay. The Bible talks about how it doesn't profit a man to receive unless he has faith. It doesn't profit a man to receive unless he has faith. In other words, I could tell you, and everybody has this example in their life, maybe parents or teachers or friends who've been through an experience and they tell you how it is. But unless you have faith to believe that that is how it is, then you're just going to go out on your journey, not receiving what you've already received, truth about how something is. And you might for lack of a better example, make the same mistake somebody else did, somebody else who tried to warn you. And that's one example. But in this example today, I'm not warning you. I'm just giving you truth or things that have set me free. Okay, the truth sets you free. I'm giving you truth about experiences that I've had in my reality. Reality and truth are different sometimes. Okay, reality is doctors could hand you paperwork that says, hey, your dad's not doing great and we wouldn't anticipate that he has longer than a month to live but the truth is that he can live 11 months 12 months beyond anybody's expectation or understanding intellectually and they can come back to you and say wow like we don't know how your dad's still alive that's a miracle because back when we found out what was really going on in his body there was no way that we would have the expectation he would live as long as he did. And that's a true story. Okay. Um, so it doesn't profit a man to receive without faith is just the idea that faith is really confidence and hope. Okay. So you can listen to what I'm about to say. You can be critical and you can say, Hmm, I wonder if that part of the story was factually correct, or I wonder if that part of the story is really true, or I wonder if that thing really happened. And I'll be the first to tell you that we do not always have 100% of the facts of our stories uh, narrated with 100% accuracy. But I'll also be the first to tell you that if you're looking for the facts of the story and 100% accuracy, then you might be looking for the wrong things. 
in listening to what I'm about to share. In other words, what I'm about to share is not meant to be giving you scientific evidence of X, Y, and Z. What I'm meant to share and what I believe, what, what's on my heart is that you may not know how good God is. And you may not realize that you can have personal encounters and a real relationship with him. And these stories, albeit, I'll share as best I can. I'm going to do the best I can to share as, as quote, factually true from what I remember. But I know that I don't always remember things with 100% accuracy. And so I'll share that as a disclaimer and just ask you to receive in faith what you're about to listen to, because I know that it will benefit you if you can receive it in faith. In other words, there's something in this for you. Eat the meat, spit out the bones, and just move forward with whatever it is that might be true for you, okay? Um, I did just want to mention from Hebrews 4.2, says, uh, in the Bible it says, um, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. And all I want you to take away from that is just the idea that the message has to have faith for it to be of value to you. In other words, you have to choose to have this simple trust, this confidence and hope. Okay, that's what faith is, that what you're hearing has truth in it for you. Now, I also want you to understand that for me, one of the biggest challenges in hearing other people tell stories about their encounters with God before I had my own real authentic, I can't question this anymore encounters was that one of the things that was really hard for me to have faith in was that I was not in full control of this whole thing. And it's really as soon as I started to recognize that I'm not in full control of what happens in my life, that's when the grip slowly started loosening. I talk about that in one of the episodes. I believe it's the first episode, season three. <clears throat> and I share that because it's really important for us to understand that, yeah, we're not in full control. And so part of faith is recognizing that we're not in full control, that we do have control over our life and certain aspects and our choice, right? But there's things that we do and things that happen in response to things that we do that we just, we couldn't have made that up. And that's faith, recognizing that. That's faith. So it, for me, I just hope that you guys are able to have that faith because the Bible also talks about how those who don't believe or have that faith won't enter his rest. How those who don't believe or have that faith that I'm describing today won't enter his rest. Okay, when we're able to let go of things we can't control, that's when we're able to have rest in our soul. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Okay, that's one way I've heard it described to me. It makes a lot of sense. There's also the physical body, and I believe our body is a part of that experience. But I, I want you to know that, like, if you want to have rest in your soul, like, if you feel like you're a restless soul, which was marked like my life for a long time, it's really going to help you to learn how to have faith. Okay, think of it as a muscle. You know, you might not believe everything you hear the first time all the time, and that's okay. Uh, but I want you to just think about it like a muscle. It's like, hey, what, what of that do I believe to be true? Right? If your attention is a spotlight, if your attention is a spotlight, then bring your attention to what's good, right, and true of what you hear, not just from me, but from other people too. Right? Put the spotlight on what's good, right, and true. Now, I'm, I'm reading from my phone here. Um, 
But I, I say the last thing that I want to describe is that it's really important to understand how to receive because it's the main thing that keeps us from the very thing we're searching for in our life. And that is the love, the gift of love that we've received. Okay. The gifts of love that people want to give us so that we can receive even money. I've had conversations with people who they were going to actually have somebody else was going to pay for them to go through our high-end coaching programs. And they said they couldn't receive that. And it prompted this thought in my head. And I recognize the struggle there because I've been in positions in my life where I've received money from people, money I didn't ask for. And I needed that money, but I didn't ask for the money. I'm talking checks in the mail. Okay. Talk about encounters with God. This was not on my list of encounters I've wrote down, but I started receiving checks in the mail. I'll add that in there. And I had, and I had to really ask myself, can I receive this without expectation that they want anything in exchange? And if I can't receive a sum of money freely, what does that say about the greater gift that God gives me freely and my ability or inability to receive that gift of love, right? Of freedom, joy. And if I look at my life, before I learned how to receive, I really lacked a lot of that freedom and joy that I have now. And so this, this ability to receive, if you think of that as a skill too, you can practice learning how to receive, okay? And in listening, this is a form of practicing where you're able to start changing the way you think, not just about what you're listening to, okay? Because I listen to truth from people that I would never expect to hear truth from. In other words, it's not just about the person that you're listening to. It's right. It's about like, what's God speaking to you through that person? Is there truth in what that person is saying? And that's what I want you guys to be able to walk away with, because my hope is at the end of this, you'll recognize that God is better than you think. And you may not have even known whether or not you think of God as good. But by the end of this, I think you'll start to see more of the character of who I believe God to be. And I think it'll be an important part of your journey. Uh, it's certainly been an important part of my journey. And, uh, and so with that, I hope that you see that he's really good. I hope that you see that he's a really good creator. Okay. So I'll start this narrative, this, this sequence of stories of my encounters with God by going smaller to bigger. And I didn't actually intend to go smaller to bigger. I actually just started writing on my phone a list of all these just different high-level encounters, high-level meaning, you know, I was looking back through the last four or five years and I was like, okay, when did I really start to recognize I was having encounters with God or or when did I start to have those encounters, but not really see it? And then when did I start to recognize it? And then what did that turn into? And see, the pattern that I started to see is that, well, God's a God of increasing, for one. He's a God of increasing. And so he, he never really like, he never does 
the same. He does more and more and more. And I can explain what that looks like. But I knew that in my heart and I started to see it to be true as I actually just wrote out these um, these encounters because I started to see, oh my gosh, like I was actually having these encounters were increasing over the years. And so I started to see more of just by going through this and writing it down, I started to see more of God's character in here. And I bet you guys will probably start to see some of this in your own life too, as you see or have encounters with God. Now, some of these things I might share are um, not meant to be anything more than just, you know, sharing from my story. So if I talk about sums of money, or if I talk about other things, it's not meant to talk about the money. It's meant to talk about my story and what God did through that money. Okay. Now I'll start with back in when I was really like, this was 2014, 15. I would say more closely in 2015, when I was really loosening my grip, I was loosening my grip on life. And I was trying to, to not white knuckle wet my way through everything. And one of the ways that this, you know, manifested or expressed itself, white knuckling, was that I just had a tremendous amount of anxiety and stress over my job. But it, it's not the job, guys. Like, it wasn't the job. It was actually my fear. And it was my mentality. And it was a lot of things that needed to be dealt with inside of me. Okay? The job was just one expression of those things that needed to be dealt with that had gone unaddressed for years. And so as I started getting hungry to know God, I wanted to get to know him in a way that, like, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't the church. It wasn't the this, it wasn't the that. And that's not to say there's anything bad with that, with those different ways that you can, whether it's a small group or the church or whatever, there were a lot of different parts of my journey where all of these things planted seeds or, or, or helped nurture, you know, who God is in me. But really, nothing really started to show up until I got hungry, until I got really hungry. I believe that's a gift from God. When you're hungry to know more about who he is and what this life is all about, and, and if you're really like meant to, to just live to work, you know, and, and if that's all there is, and if getting a job and having a wife and a family, and, and like if you're just not going to be satisfied and you're looking for more and you're like, man, this got to be. I, is there a higher power? Like, how do I not just buy somebody else's experience of a higher power? How do I not get into a religion? You know, once you get hungry, that I believe is a gift from God to get to know more of who he is. And just like anybody who respects themselves, they're going to have you show that you want a relationship with them. In other words, like, it's not a prove it to me. It's more of a, hey, I respect myself enough to know that I'm not going to enter into any relationships without boundaries. And I believe God has that character of boundaries, values he'll, he'll operate by, right? And when I think about that, it's just like, hey, if you show some intentionality, he's available for you. He makes time for you. And I was starting to show some intentionality because I got hungry hungry in my soul, frankly, because I was such a restless soul. And what that looked like for me were smaller or lighter encounters through reading uh, the Bible. And as I was reading the Bible, and I actually have um, on the floor behind me, I have, yeah, in the corner there, I have um, one of the Bibles that 
that we have is the Bible I was reading. I'd gone to Barnes and Nobles, I think, and uh, after work one day, and I and I walked across the street. I think it's a Barnes and Nobles, and I went and picked up a Bible. I didn't know what one to get. I was so worried about, oh, is it the translation or the this or the that? There's the there was Aramaic, and then there was and then there was Greek. But before all that, in the Old Testament, it was it was Aramaic. Or it was uh, it was you know, ancient Hebrew and the Aramaic, and there are all these different translations. And how do I know I'm getting the right word? Again, it doesn't profit a man to receive without faith. Unless he has faith to receive, it's not going to profit him, right? And so for me, I just had to trust at some point, okay, there may be a million translations of the Bible. Sure, this one versus that one. But like, do I really believe that God is greater than the translation? Do I really believe that God can speak to me is the question. And that's getting through that or getting that hungry to trust that he could speak to me beyond what the word specifically said allowed me the experience, the authentic experience of having personal encounters with God. How? Because he started speaking to me about all these different warning signs of the path that I was on. And that path specifically was at the company I was working for, it wasn't about the company so much as it was the decisions I was making while being there, who I was choosing to surround myself with, the things I was distracting myself with outside of work, the reasons I was actually trying to escape on the weekends and travel was because I had actually lived a boundaryless life. And so because I didn't know how to have boundaries or how to have the courage to set boundaries for myself, I used travel as an escape to create margin or boundaries, right? And he started showing me all of this, giving me wisdom, which is control over your mind or giving you understanding. He started showing me all of this through just simply reading Proverbs in the Bible. Now, Proverbs has, it's an interesting story. I'll tell you more about Proverbs and my other encounter with God through Proverbs later. But he also started speaking to me. I started hearing the voice of God. And I, talk also, I also talk about hearing the voice of God in this, in this season, season three. But um, in this particular way of hearing the voice of God. He started talking to me about like he'd put on my heart about real estate several months earlier and not in like prayer where I was on my knees and I was praying. I was like, God, are you going to give me something in real estate? No, it was, it was like, Hey, there's this idea of real estate that you've had in your, in your head. And I put that on your heart and I want to have you set these goals for real estate and getting a promotion at work. And so I was trying to put all this together. And the long and short of that was several months later, I hadn't planned when I was going to leave my job, but I knew in my head I was going to leave my job when I got a promotion and I could have an asset that starts generating cash flow. And then that would be the time to go. Well, in June 2015, I got the peace to leave my job before I was actually technically promoted and before I had a piece of real estate or an asset that was generating cash flow. But I had the peace in my heart. Fast forward, they asked if I could stay through the summer to help train the younger people. And I agreed because I didn't have work, I didn't have anywhere else to be immediately. And in the meantime, we found a friend and I found a piece of property 
in Virginia that we wanted to invest in. Now, in the meantime, behind all that, I had been told that I was being promoted and that promotion would happen on August 3rd. It turns out that after the training, and it turns out that after the piece of property that we started to look at and ended up going through the process of buying, all of that culminated to my final day, August 3rd, 2015, where I literally left my job at Goldman Sachs, walked out of that building, went back home to my apartment, moved everything from my apartment down to a car so I could move to Virginia, and signed paperwork and sent the cash for the piece of property that we were going to purchase that day, close on that day, the same day, August 3rd, that I was technically being promoted, but because I was leaving, I didn't receive that promotion. And I was like, hmm, all these things lined up. That's odd. So I started to notice that God was speaking to me and I was like, well, I guess that's a coincidence. Maybe that's something I couldn't have planned. And maybe that had some relationship with what I was in my control and what I manifested or created, but I didn't really know how to explain it. So then in the beginning of 2016, I received a word about how God will carry me through a tough season. Now, I had never received a prophetic word. A prophetic word is anything edifying, uplifting, and encouraging. Edifying, uplifting, and encouraging. Edifying is strengthening. Uplifting is something to bring you up right from wherever you are in life and encouraging. It's, it's the greatest gift we can have is a gift of encouragement. And so as I was in this potentially really trying time in my life, beginning in 2016, in other words, I had moved out of New York, moved to Richmond, moved back to New York within a couple months. There's a lot of things that happened in between. I'd bought a car, the car got recalled. I ended up selling the car for more than what I bought it for. Um, to a guy who knew it was recalled and wanted it. And he said, I lost this. I actually crashed my exact same car and I, I, you know, same model, same color. And I want to buy it from you. This was two weeks after I decided to move back to New York because I was fasting. Uh, and I had been convicted really by God that I needed to move back to New York. And I was like, well, I just bought this car and it got recalled. What am I going to do about that? And I had this guy on Craigslist call me and say, I want that same car. And so, you know, I can't, take credit for, for the guy saying, I'll pay full price for it, even a little extra. And then, you know, all of these things happening again, coincidences where that same month a friend's apartment lease was going up. And, uh, and, and so he needed a new place to live. And in New York, there's like three people you want to live with, you know, out of the 8 million people, there's very few people you actually want to live with because of your lifestyle habits or choices or whatever, and how those may be so differing among other people. And so it was just such a fortunate time for me to actually be moving back to New York. And now it's beginning of 2016. And I'm actually, I'm at a church uh, gathering and somebody comes up to me and they're like, Hey, you know, and there was like, what was worship going on? And, um, and to me, that was a new experience because, you know, growing up worship was not the same type of, of worship that I had experienced when I went to New York and started going to a non-denominational church. But um, I really started to learn a little bit more about what worshiping meant. It's not about, you know, the band, whatever that band is. It's about your heart. Uh, and you can worship God in anything you do, whether there's music playing or not. But anyway, we were in a worship session 
and somebody comes up to me and puts their hand on my shoulder and says, hey, I was actually looking for somebody else. I thought you were my friend, but then God spoke to me and said, no, that's actually the right person. And I feel like he wants you to know that you might, there might be a difficult season in your life. I don't know if you're in a difficult season now, and I'm not saying you will have a difficult season either. But they said, I, I, I feel like he wants you to know he's with you always. He'll carry you through. So it was edifying, uplifting, encouraging. A little bit like, hmm, are you telling me I'm going to go through a hard season? Because this is like kind of hard, but it's not that hard. I'm a young guy. I've got some money. I don't have a job. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing, but I don't feel like it's that hard. And it was specifically actually about my family. It was beginning January 2016 um, or the end of January 2016. And so... Um, you know, I, I'm moving through life and then I hear from, I hear from God as I'm actually um, trying to figure out, cause I'm in panic, reflecting of my mindset. I had a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and no job, no responsibilities, single living in New York city. And I'm in panic thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if I can't get a job? What am I going to do if uh, I run out of money? Right. It reflects my mentality. But in the meantime, I was reading the Bible because I didn't know what else to do with my time. And I was just learning and trying to, to journal and reflect on my life. And God was showing me a lot about my life, but I just didn't really have the awareness or guidance or help to actually see what I needed to see. It was a, it was a very slow process of uncovering a lot of the healing I needed. But in that time, I was saying, God, I need some money. And I, I remember writing my journal. I have my journals that I keep. And I wrote down something to the effect of, I'll make like 30 grand. And, I, and it wasn't like this, I'm going to intentionally write, I'm making 30 grand. It was like this really natural, you're going to make $30,000. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't have a job. I'm not, I don't, $30,000 is a lot of money. How would I do that? And so then I started getting all these ideas. I started getting these ideas about, you know, whether um, I could start this business or do that thing. And I started getting these ideas that, oh, wait, I actually have skill sets, knowledge, uh, understanding that would help me make 30 grand. And I started realizing, oh my gosh, I could trade options, for example. And so as I started to think about how that would look in practice, again, encounters with God, I'm like, God, is that you? And I started, I found Bank of America call options. This was in end of February, 2016. And as I found those Bank of America call options, they happened to be like the only uh, available, I would say most affordable um, option that I had found. Um, and these are call options. And so this happened when the market had kind of come off a bit. And I'm like, wow, maybe this is a good time to buy some Bank of America call options. So I just did it. And I didn't really know enough about options. We were pricing those on Wall Street. And I, I knew enough to, to quote them and price them, but I didn't know enough to trade them. And so I was trading now. And sure enough, within the next three, four, five, six weeks, I ended up making $30,000. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I made $30,000. That's crazy. And again, another coincidence. And sure enough, I go, I'm like, well, I can do that again. And on my own, I go for a hundred grand. Now, if you've heard any part of my story, you know that that didn't end very well. And that actually helped me get to where I am today in that I was broken, forced to, out of necessity and calling, start what I do now in coaching and speaking. But that spring, that gives you an idea of where I was at in that spring of 2016. 
Okay. And I remember hearing in spring into summer, as I'm losing a bunch of money, as I'm starting to uncover this whole thing in my life about coaching, and maybe that could be something I do as I'm working with this couple of good friends of mine to help them start an app. As I'm just basically trying to find myself and starting a new relationship with my now wife, Savannah, I'm really kind of at a loss for a lot. And I just feel like I'm in this wilderness season. I, I can't really see where I'm going and I'm looking for guidance and I don't know what to do. So I just, I keep going back to God because I'm like, God, I don't know if anybody else will understand. And plus I had some shame for how I'd acted irresponsibly with my money. And I had some shame, frankly, because I was still finding my identity in my work. My worth was in my work. And because I didn't have clarity about my work, I had some shame or I had a low sense of worth. Okay. So in that spring or summer 2016, I hear the rain is coming. And the other thing I hear is your family may go through a hard season. I hear the rain is coming and your family may go through a hard season. And the rain is coming was very comforting to me because I needed some money. And so I thought, oh, it's going to rain. It's going to rain money and I need that money. But then your family may go through a hard season, summer 2016. I'm thinking to myself, well, that doesn't sound very good. And God, is that you or am I making things up? Well, sure enough, that end of August, beginning of September, my dad gets diagnosed with stage four cancer. And remember, I had received a word back in that January about how if I was going through a hard season or if I were to find myself in a hard season in life, which we all do, that God would carry me through. And I'm like, no. God, is this the hard season? Because now I'm broke. My dad's diagnosed with stage four cancer and I don't know what I'm doing for work. And so I have really low self-worth because that's where I was finding my worth in my work. And so it was a really difficult time for me, but I'm, I'm holding on to this hope that the rain is coming. I'm holding on to it. Well, in that fall 2016, more encounters with God, I actually am in what's called a prophetic room. It's not like tarot card reading. It's not foretelling or fortune telling. It's actually people who are literally trained to hear the voice of God. And we're not perfect. Again, a man cannot profit unless he receives with faith. And so I'm sitting in this room. I'm super skeptical because I'm like, you know, I'd never heard of this place called the International House of Prayer. And I'm in this room with people who don't know me. And they start speaking into my life because I give them permission. And I say, hey, I'd love to, you know, receive anything that might be encouraging for me. If that's, if that's the character of God, if he's encouraging, right? And so when you receive prophetic words, I'll, I'll talk about this and having healthy spirituality. And I, I'll say it again because I mentioned it in another episode. But when you receive prophetic words, you, you want to have a healthy spirituality in that you want to be able to receive it and say, okay, is that of the character of God? You need to know the character of God in order to filter that that word through. So if somebody tells you something about your life, about you, you want to filter it through the character of God. Is that the character of God in what they say? Then you want to be able to go to scripture. So there's the spirit of it, right? Character of God. And then there's scripture and scripture is the order, right? If you don't have order to spontaneity or the spirit, then you can run the risk of having chaos in your life. If you have too much spontaneity, right? Then you can lack order and that brings chaos. If you're a type of person who's 
very spontaneous, likes to do a lot of different things. Maybe you've resonated with the idea of ADHD. Um, you know that if you don't have order in your life, you can have a lot of chaos, right? And so you want to bring order to it with the word of God. The word of God is Jesus. Jesus is what I believe the Old Testament and the New Testament are about. They both point to Jesus. And so you need to understand the character of God and what the Bible says about Jesus, really. And so in those two things, you're able to actually identify is something of God and is it for you? And if it is, then it also, the other aspect to understand is it's important to have somebody who witnesses that, who can say, yes, I agree to that. I come into agreement with that for you. That makes sense for you. Um, that's totally you. That's your life. And so example, I'm now in prophetic room in 2016, a room full of three people. Um, and then my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, Savannah, and I'm actually, they're telling me all these things about me that I didn't know necessarily, if that makes sense. And what they're saying is, it may seem like, I don't know what's going on in your life. It may seem, I didn't tell them anything about me. It may seem like you're on the pitcher's mound and it's like the bottom of the ninth inning. You've got one ball left to throw um, and, and it's, it's got to be a strike. You know, you've got one chance. It's got to be a strike. So there's a lot of pressure on you. And I believe God is, is wants you to know, and I believe he's saying that you just need to throw the ball and he'll lead it into the strike zone. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty profound because it was an image of how I felt. It was an image of how I felt. And that's a character of God. God gives, he's a rock and a shield, right? In the West, we think about things theoretically. God is love, all powerful, Etc. That's Greek way of thinking, Hebrew way or Eastern way of thinking. Okay, not just Hebrew, but he Hebraic way. The the Hebrew way of thinking is in pictures. Okay, and so if you ask a Jewish boy in Israel, who is God? They'll say he's my rock, my shield, and that's a picture. And God gave me pictures of who he is and how I could relate to that personal relationship encounter. They were also saying things like. I see you in cities gathering people. They don't know anything about me. Like New York City. They didn't know I was living in New York. New York City gathering people. And it's almost like you're soapbox preaching. But you're, you're, but you're not in the traditional sense like people with a microphone on the street. You're gathering people and you're speaking into their life. And then another person said, yeah, there's, um, and they gave scripture with it. And they said, uh, from Jeremiah, it's like I knew you before I made you. Right. And then they were talking about me tearing out strongholds and building, planting a building um, in people's hearts and gathering people in cities and then being called to speak to nations. And I just started like bawling. I started, I started having now these emotional encounters. Okay. I started, of course, I was emotionally stressed at that time in my life, distressed, you could say. Right. But there was like a profound emotional encounter with God in that moment. And so you know, then fast forward, a friend of mine's like, I've been praying and I want to give you 15 grand. I know you've lost a bunch of money in the markets, et cetera, et cetera. It's one of my best friends. And he's like, I've just been praying about it, man. And I'm going to give you 15 grand. I believe in you, not necessarily what you're going to do, because I don't know what you're going to do. And um, is that going to be enough? No expectation of anything in return. And so I'm like having all of these kind of, well, this can't be coincidental. There's like this there's this stripping of all these things that I was trying to find security in. And then there's this planting, right? So there's the tearing out and the planting of these things that I might actually need. 
And these things that I might actually need were principles. These were really deposits, I think deposits of love that I was in a position now where I was forced to receive. I was forced to receive. And so God was teaching me how to receive with humility, right? And I say forced, nobody forced me to take the money. Nobody forced me to receive the words that people were giving me to encourage me, but I chose to receive them. And I say I was forced because I was in a position in life where I didn't really have any hope or security in anything else. And so I said, well, if I haven't found it in women, in work, or in all these other things where I live, anything, then I guess I'll choose to listen to you, God, because it sounds very clearly like you're speaking to me. And I can't ignore the patterns that you've shown me over time of your faithfulness, your encouragement, your goodness. Okay. That's the point when things started to click. I had a, another look in the mirror moment, a similar moment I had right before leaving Goldman. I had another look in the mirror moment and I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, God, I get it. We're, we're not promised everything in life. We're not promised really anything but now. And my dad's life is in balance. Okay. I get that I didn't leave Wall Street to go back to Wall Street. I just didn't genuinely didn't feel that in my heart but I had to do something here in my head and here in my heart to change if I were going to have the courage to step out into what I thought was something that was for me, which was maybe it was life coaching as a name, but I didn't know how to describe it. All I knew is I wanted to speak into people's hearts to help them. And what I didn't know at the time was that I had a passion for it. I had a deep longing. I had a deep suffering problem, pain point. That's what passion, the root of the word passion is suffering. I had a deep pain point in my heart because I knew that there were people out there who were, and here's the word, oppressed. There's five different forms of oppression. One of them is powerlessness. Okay? Violence is another form of oppression. I wasn't violently oppressed. I was oppressed in the sense of powerlessness, and I didn't have words to describe it at the time, but that was what I was experiencing in my life. And I didn't realize it until I was set free or I had encounters with God, which gave me the freedom to release myself from expectations of other people's version of who I ought to be, who I am. I didn't realize that I could then allow other people in my own freedom to find their freedom. Okay. And so I had that look in the mirror moment. I had the prophetic words. I had the money. And I said, okay. What if I had everything I need? I remember waking up one morning thinking, what if I had everything I need? And that, that's when I had a vision for an event called Welcome to Yourself. And I launched an event a month later. I remember I was down in Florida. I was trying to do, learn email marketing, copywriting, event planning, all this stuff. I tried to plan all this stuff. I was, I'd never, I'd never had a speaking platform. I was not popular, famous. I didn't have anybody. I didn't know anybody who was, I, I was, uh, I'd never charged money for people to come hear me speak. I'd never gone, gone through any experience like that. I just, I decided, I said, I was going to charge $75 a person to come hear me speak for four hours. I had no idea what it was going to be about. I was calling it welcome to yourself. And uh, I was going to market that and then sell coaching packages on the back end. One out of necessity, I need to find a way to make money Two, out of calling because of all these other things that were going on that I couldn't ignore anymore. And I had seen this calling. Calling is personal, progressive, and communal. 
personal in nature to you and your story. Progressive in that it grows over time. Communal in that you're not alone in it. You're not alone in it. And so I saw that happen over the course of my life. And then a month later, launched the event and then went to DC. And then randomly, not randomly, somebody had contacted me about speaking in London as I had delayed a trip to go see my friend who lived in London to the same time they needed somebody to come speak on the topic of purpose and knowing who you are, exactly what I had set up around Welcome to Yourself. And because of that video, I got a call from Virginia Tech to go speak. And within three and a half months, I was a keynote, international keynote speaker. And I had, outside of doing what was in the natural, right, which was natural for me and very unnatural because I fought a lot of fear mentally. And I had to break a lot of beliefs in order to step into that. I can't tell you how fearful I was. It's crazy how fearful I was over my own reputation and all these things I'd worked so hard to build and protect my whole life. In faith, I had to trust that what I heard from God and what I was sensing was right and true. And I had to take steps forward and do what I thought I needed to do. I did not do a good job marketing the event, describing the event. I did not know what I was doing. And people have asked me, how do you do events? And to be honest with you, I don't know the answer because I've tried to do events. I've done 40 events in the last three years and I've tried to, to replicate some of these processes and I've found I don't actually know what I'm doing. Some of these things that actually came to fruition, I believe were because God allowed that to happen for that time and gave me that confidence and courage to actually step out to do what I need to do. And fast forward, after I went through all of that, okay, those first three and a half months of, of speaking and learning to, to do that and set up the events with the seminars and then going and getting paid to speak. And then now it's spring 2017. I had overcome all these fears, this mentality, and started to realize that this could be a path for me. This could be my life right here. I love doing this. This could be something that's for me. And I remember reading in spring 2017. Okay. I remember reading about what Proverbs means. I'm in my apartment in New York City. And remember, about a year earlier, spring and summer 2016, God gave me two messages. He said, the rain is coming and your family might be going through a difficult season. And sure enough, I saw my family go through a difficult season. And sure enough, I saw some, quote, rain, you know, money is what I thought it was. Sure enough, I saw that come into my life too. But as I was reading in spring 2017, after I'd gone through all these different things that I needed to go through to actually experience change in my life and see my life start to get some traction, uh, and I mean traction not just professionally in a new trajectory, but in my new identity, Welcome to Yourself was actually about me. I didn't realize this at the time. I knew it, I think, in my heart of hearts, but it was actually about Welcome to Yourself, TJ. And I had to break so many fears and limiting beliefs in that process. And in spring 2017, I'm sitting in my apartment one evening and I read about what Proverbs actually means. And it was described to me in this way. Proverbs means to reign. And it comes from thousands of years of ancient rabbinical wisdom to help you reign over your mind because wisdom is control over your mind 
the rain was coming in summer 2016. And what God showed me was that I needed to learn how to reign over my mind because the work he was doing was transforming me from the inside out so that I could step into my identity and choose the destiny for my life that he had for me. The rain came. And that revelation absolutely was an encounter with God moment. It was an encounter with God moment. Then I started to have my first physical encounter in New York. And uh, this was in spring 2018. So over the summer of 2017, my father passed away very traumatic experience. Business was very difficult to try and navigate. I didn't know how to start and grow. And I, I just didn't know what to do after I had gotten some quick traction. I was still having these deep moments with God, but really the reality was my faith was challenged as I watched my dad die in front of my eyes. And I had to go back to the drawing board really. And I remember I got this idea one, one morning, a couple months after um, I had gone to Italy after my dad died, drove around for five days, didn't know what I was doing, stayed at this Airbnb with a woman named Mila, who was like my mother's age, just amazing woman, took me out to dinner, paid for dinner, and, uh, and it cost more than the Airbnb. We had a, a lovely evening, and uh, that was a marking moment on my journey. I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. After that time, I came back to the U.S., and, and there I am in my apartment in New York. And I had something come to my mind, and it was this idea that I needed to go see a counselor for the first time. I needed to go see a counselor. And it was the first time I had really decided to surrender, to let go, to open myself up to the fact that I might need heart help, heart help. And, uh, and I remember the reason I went is because I didn't want to lose hope. I remember thinking that. I remember thinking I didn't want to lose hope. And I, would, I knew I was at risk because of what had happened, what I'd witnessed in my life. I didn't know anything about trauma at the time, but I had gone through trauma. And trauma is a word that is a difficult word. I, I never really had associated it with my life, but what it means is um, the way I like to describe it. And we talk about it in coaching because it's just a really important concept. Trauma is just something that happens in an allotted amount of time that you don't have the time to process. That could be moving across the country. That could be simply uh, losing a loved one in your family or losing a loved one in a relationship in which they actually don't die. You guys just separate ways. That's, that's also a traumatic experience for a lot of people. Um, you know, so, so trauma started to be revealed to my life in a real way. And as I'm going through this journey practically, okay, the natural, like I was, I was working with personal trainers. I didn't have money to do this. I just invested personal trainer, uh, counseling, and I was trying to get back into, I had left, by the way, during much of this time, I was not in a church community, quote, church community, all these different things that I'm describing. And I say a church, like institutional community, I, church, truly, and my wife and I talk about this 
regularly, but church is like communion with God in the presence of other people. That's what church is, right? It's like communion with God in the presence of other people. You're inviting God into the presence of your conversation. And, and God is a joyful God. If you know the character of God, he's so funny and loving and caring. He's a lot of other things, but I think people get the idea that, that inviting communion with God has to be a purely um, reverent, hold your hands, uh, you know, and pull out your rosary kind of thing. And it's very much, uh, very much different than how I'd grown up accustomed to seeing certain things. And I think there's a place for that reverence, for sure. I believe, you know, even in our joy, we can have reverence, but church is really communion with God in the presence of other people. And so there I am now, in, and now I'm re-engaging in a church community, and it's communion with God in the presence of other people. And I, these are, it's, I was in a house church. It was my first physical encounter in New York, and um, I remember making a conscious choice conscious choice again back to the idea of it doesn't profit a man to receive without faith and i remember making a conscious choice that i didn't necessarily trust everybody in this church community i didn't necessarily trust everything they said but i knew it was good for me i knew it was good for me and i remember at the beginning of that year god spoke to me in prayer prayer was really simple it's conversation and he spoke to me and he said in 2018 just before this encounter in that church community, I remember God spoke to me and he said, TJ, I, I, want you to, I want you to make bread. I want you to make bread so you can break bread because you need more community in your life and you need something to offer those people in community. So make bread to break bread. And so I remember I, got a, I went online, Amazon bought bread making kit and I'll come back to that later. But that was the intention behind getting involved in a church community was because I thought, well, I, I know God spoke to me about community. I know I've been in a season of isolation. It doesn't take rocket science for me to recognize I need to be intentional about this. And so I just said, God, I don't know if I really trust everybody. I don't even know if I trust everything they're saying. But for me, I trust you. And I've had that one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. Look, guys, if we... If we have law without encounter, it's just religion. It's not relationship. And I spent all those years learning how to have a relationship with God outside of an official church setting. Right? I was talking with somebody just a few minutes ago, and they told me, oh, I grew up in the church, and I knew um, you know, what they taught. And so I know how to live my life right. And I asked him, I said, that's awesome, man. Do you know how to live your life freely? And I don't mean, do you know how to be free to do whatever you want? I mean, do you know how to have inner freedom? Do you know what God did for you and the love he has for you and the freedom that gives you that you're free of torment? that you're free of all these things you think you need, that you're free to be yourself full of joy, compassion, love, mercy. It's such a different experience when you get to understand the heart and character of God through these encounters. 
whether it's a revelation or a physical encounter like the one I'm about to describe. So I'm in this apartment, we're in a house church setting, and I remember receiving prayer from the pastor who was saying, hey, you know, this was an invitation. It was like, hey, if you want to become a part of the community, I'd been going and learning. And you want to become a part of the com- community, uh, we're going to have, you know, we're going to welcome you guys. We're going to pray over you. And I was like, man, that's awesome. I'll take some prayer. And I remember this was like the first time I think in my heart that I'd really submitted to God in a public, real public setting, submitted my heart to him. All of this heart posture work that he had been working with me on. Okay. And if you think about it, like there's the head work and then there's the heart work, but the heart work is really the hard work, right? So we need to change our mentality. Yeah. But the heart work is the hard work. And he'd been doing a lot of the hard work. I've been doing a lot of the hard work in me. And there I was in this church community and I'm receiving prayer. And I remember I never in my life have felt this experience. I started having electricity go through my body. I had a phone call that I ended up missing because I was on the floor for the next 30 minutes in some other world. I was in another world. And God was showing me a lot of things that are personal to um, my story and personal to me and my relationship with him. You don't always have to share everything. I like to try and be the most private public person I can. And, uh, and so he showed me a lot of things during that time when I was really in like another place. My body was physically there. I was physically there, but I knew and I've learned to know, I've learned to have discernment between what's of God and what's not. And that there's always a choice. When it's of God, there's a choice. When it's not of God, there are other spirits out there, by the way. And when it's not of God, your choice is really taken. Your choice is really taken. There's less control in the situation. And God is a gentleman and he'll give you choice and control right? And I know that because he gives us the choice to believe in him or not, right? So he gives us free will. He gives us choice. A good father invites you into the room, says you can sit down and doesn't close, close the door behind you. He doesn't force you to stay. He knows that he's so good, you'll want to stay. That's, that's a confident God, if you ask me, right? Versus a God, and a lot of people have learned how to live this way, whether it's through a boss, a parent, People who are fearful of you leaving the room, of you leaving the job, of you leaving the relationship, they close the door and lock it behind you. That's not the character of God. Don't let other people fool you. Don't let their experience, don't let them, even if they've been a Christian, even if they've called themselves a faithful person, they're a person. They're not God. Don't let their experience give you the character of God. Go find it out for yourself, your personal relationship with him. And that goes for me too. So there I was, I was on the floor. I had this electricity feeling and something happened. It marked my life. It marked my life. Over the course of the next few months, it was summer of 2018. And I'm in California visiting my girlfriend at the time and her parents are here now my in-laws. And I remember one morning I got triggered. We talk about triggers and coaching because this is the start of the process that we walk people through in healing, change, and growing. And in order to heal, you got to really identify, raise your awareness to certain things in your life that might be triggering you, okay, into old unhealthy thought patterns. Because mindset comes before strategy or tactics. A lot of people try and 
solve their problems through tactics and then they realize that they're back in the same cycle because they never fix the mindset. In other words, you can change your job, but if you don't change you, you're just going to carry all those same beliefs and habits with you in that new environment and new setting. Okay, so you have to change what's inside of you if you want to actually see a sustainable change in the world around you. And so there I am in the summer of 2018, and I got triggered by a text message, something somebody sent me. It's a Tuesday morning, and I'm going over to see my girlfriend at the time, Savannah, and, uh, and her mother and her father. And Savannah and her mother are sitting on a couch, and um, it's very clear that I walk in the room with some sort of distressed look on my face and Savannah sees it. And she, she looks at me and says, can, can we pray for you? And to be honest, I was still rejecting so much of her upbringing and what prayer meant and people wanting to pray for you. And I was just kind of tired of it. Cause I was like, that's not helping my practical situation of this issue in this relationship and all these other things, you know, that a hardened heart will do. And so I said, sure, begrudgingly, I sat down on the couch and God took me through what's called an inner healing experience. And I didn't really know fully what this was. I never went to an inner healing ministry. Uh, I didn't know what that was, Sozo ministry. I was doing a lot of this with people, frankly. A lot of this was happening behind the scenes. I'm not even describing all of the God encounters I'm having with other people and their encounters and coaching and all these other things. I'm just describing what happened to me, but what God does in you, he'll do through you, right? What God does in you, he'll do through you. And so God was doing a lot in me and he was doing a lot through me and he wanted to do more. And so there I was on that couch that morning and I'll never forget it because I go through this really healing, healing encounter where God takes me similar to when I was on the apartment floor in New York city and going through all of these different <laughs> sequences of events and these things in my life and God showing me who I am. I was actually on the couch now in California in that summer 2018. And I start to see images. I start to see pictures. And the first picture I saw was an egg and there was a hammer and the hammer came over top of the egg and cracked it into a million little pieces. And then I went on this journey for like an hour with my eyes closed sitting there this journey of seeing generations of my past, generations of my past doing horrible things. I was adopted at birth. I didn't know a lot about my past. I, I remember growing up being in the doctor's office and doctor saying, and what do, what do you know about your, uh, or you know, do you have any parent, this, that, and the other illnesses or things that run in your family? I remember always saying, I don't know, I'm adopted. I, I don't know what runs in my family. And that day, God showed me, and I say this not from a, I now know, you know, people in my family and this is what they did. No, that's not what I'm saying. What God showed me is that there was a history of what we call generational iniquity, generational sin. Those are two different things. But he showed me a history of actually men in my biological family. And I don't know where it came from or who or whatever. He showed me a history of, and I never saw faces or names. I just saw people doing horrible things. And there was anger and hatred and abuse, uh, emotional and physical. And I saw a lot of things that were personal to me and I was weeping. And then God showed me a door, this huge door 
and he showed me um, in a room, a closed room with half light, half shadow, and, and a window with that light coming through, natural light, and there was a cup, a chalice. There was a wooden chalice and there was wine flowing over the chalice, but nothing was being poured in. It was just overflowing. And I was like, this is so wild to me. And then over the door, that chalice was being poured over the door, which then I learned afterwards, it's the blood of Jesus literally protecting and covering me from my past as I started to see doors of my past close. All of this without anybody asking me, do you see a door? Do you see blood? Do you see this? Do you see that? I'm just describing what came to me. Come to find out later, that's many people's experience of encounters with Jesus as they see doors of their past close. So of course, I had that experience and there was a lot from that. And I start to realize, wow, there's so much I don't know, I don't know, that God wanted to restore. And about a week later, I'm in New York with my counselor, and I'm having a session with him back on the East Coast, unrelated to that moment when I was in California going through that inner healing. And I'm describing it to him, and he starts to tear up. And he looks at me, and he says, TJ, you wouldn't know this, but in your story, you described that first part of the egg with the hammer on top and it cracking into a thousand little pieces. And then you went through that whole experience for an hour of actually going back into your past, the part you never knew or couldn't know. And he said, you wouldn't know this, but in, in this place that we do counseling, it's a faith-based counseling group. In this place, we have two exercises that we walk people through when they come in for counseling and begin. And you would know the first one because we walked through it, the loss inventory. But he said, you wouldn't know the second one because I never took you through it in the year or so that we'd been working together at that time. And he said, it's called the trauma egg. And we have people draw an egg with all these little lines and the trauma that they've gone through in their life is represented by all the broken pieces. I call that confirmation and an encounter with God. Things started growing and increasing again. Later that summer, I hear a voice of God and he says, go to Houston. And I had a potential client in Houston and I thought, I want to go to Houston to see a good friend and to meet this potential client because I really felt God put on my heart to meet that person, to meet them in person. And so I said, I'm going to fly down there. I'm going to tell them that I came to meet them, that I came to Houston to meet them in person because that's the, that's the reality. God put on my heart to come meet them. It was an amazing launch, the experience of that person. We ended up working together. I got to see a good friend of mine. And that good friend of mine we were out at a Chinese restaurant one night, very good Chinese restaurant in Houston. And I remember with my sensitivity increase, right? My sensitivity had been increased over the years. And I remember hearing something to the effect of that woman has nerve pain in her back. 
and we had been talking with a couple who was sitting diagonal to us. We were in the back corner of the restaurant. They were diagonal to us. And we had been talking with them, asking them what they got for dinner and all this other stuff. And, and I thought maybe it's that woman, she has nerve pain in her back, but you don't say that to somebody, Hey, you know, you have nerve pain in your back. You don't tell them that it's not like good form. And actually that's one of the reasons why I'd been so turned off to people who just walked around without any sort of responsibility, just saying, God told me this. And I held so much grudge against that. My hardened heart, right? Didn't understand, didn't know how to receive. And also I recognize that people just maybe haven't been taught. And so God's been teaching me and I still don't know the perfect way to do this, but he's been teaching me. And one of the ways he taught me is, you know, he's like, Hey, just, you can ask me for confirmation. So I asked him, God, can you confirm, like, if that person says bye to us on the way out, then I'll say something to them. Well, sure enough, they get up and they leave and they didn't say goodbye. And so I thought, wow, okay, well, maybe I missed my chance. And I start thinking and over analyzing and second guessing. And then I look to my right. And next to us this whole time was a woman, young woman, who'd been sitting alone. And she looks not well. And I looked over to her, I said, hey, this is amazing food, isn't it? And she, she, she looked at me with a sort of half-hearted smile, like, yeah, it's amazing food, but I'm not feeling great. And I said, hey, I have a, I have a very strange question. Um, but do you happen to have nerve pain in your back? And her face drops. And she says, I have nerve pain all over. I said, I really believe God is going to do something in you. Uh, and, and I don't know what that is. Can I pray for you? And she said, like a blank stare, and said, uh, I looked at her, I said, I recognize it may sound strange. You don't have to do a thing, but how else would I know that you have nerve pain in your back? And she said, okay. And so I walked over and I asked her, I said, hey, can you just tell me a little bit more about what's going on here? And she looked at me and she said, I've had nerve pain in my body for as long as I can remember. A few weeks ago, they diagnosed me with blank, blank, blank. I can't remember the scientific name. And they found out that the nerve pain originates in my back in this particular place. And she showed me. And she said, I'm on all kinds of medication. I'm like 24, I forget, 24, 25 years old. And she said, it's just not right. It's not right. It's not right that I'm on so much medication. And it's like, it just totally numbs me. It numbs my life. And I said, well, I believe Jesus is the healer. It's not something he does, it's who he is. I believe he can heal you. Whether that's now or later, I just want to pray for you regardless, because I, I believe that God has asked me to ask you about your nerve pain, not only so that he could heal you, but because it's more important that you know that he knows you exist and that he sees you and has compassion for you. It's one thing for us to know God exists. It's another thing for us to know that he knows we exist. And that's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion is we know God exists. Relationship is we know that he knows we exist and we engage in that relationship. It's two ways. 
It's talking and listening. He listens and so do we. And so there I am in this restaurant, this Chinese restaurant, and I just say a simple prayer for this woman. And I asked her how she feels, if it feels any better. And she said, uh, not really. And I said, listen, I said, don't be surprised if you feel a lot better. I said, at the very minimum, at the very minimum, I want you to know that God really does know and see you. And I don't know what this interaction means, but I believe it was to encourage you. And, and I, I, you know, was cautious because I, you don't want to tell somebody that they're going to be healed and they're not going to be healed, but you do want to encourage them that it's possible. And so I've learned in the process of how to maybe articulate that better because it can be very off-putting if somebody's dealt with something their whole life and you're the one there, uh, well, I'm the guy who's telling you I know what's going to happen. No, it's very important to recognize that we just don't know, but it's important even more important to recognize what we do know. And that is that God loves us, wants to encourage us. And, and it's not in his will. Sickness is not in his will. There's not one person in the Bible that Jesus doesn't encounter. He doesn't heal when they ask for healing, even when they don't ask for healing. And it's not in his will. I don't believe it's in his will to have sickness here on earth. Right. And, uh, and so when I see when people aren't getting healed, I heard this one time, it made a lot of sense to me. When I see people aren't getting healed, it's not that like I need to grow in my godly power. No, it's like, I believe God wants to do something in me, but maybe I need, like, maybe I need a little bit more faith. Maybe I need a little bit more faith and I'll be real. You know, I've struggled with having faith to believe some people can be healed, but then I've heard stories like somebody with Lyme's disease being healed after I think it was like 38 years, instantly, instantly healed after 38 years. You know, and I hear stories about the place down in Georgia, I believe it is, that has the Bible with oil just pouring out of the Bible. If you haven't looked that up, you got to see it. It's wild. And the oil, it's not the oil itself. It's God's anointing on that oil, actually healing people. And my faith grows. My faith really grows. And so my faith started to grow with these own, with my own personal encounters here. And, um, and then in, in London, in fall of 2018, okay, so several months later, I'm getting off the tube and I see a man who's homeless and he's lying there. It's cold. It's 1030 at night. I just finished a, a small event and I was on my way home and I was really hungry. And I saw a man, I've always resonated with homelessness. I've talked with people who are homeless for as long as I can remember since I was a kid. My mom taught me to not fear people who are homeless and to have compassion and understand. And then I learned actually in my heart what that actually meant is I had more conversation. And I talk with this man as I get off the tube, 10.30 PM and I say, hey man, you know what's going on here? And it was amazing because at that event, somebody had asked me if they could come late and pay in cash and pounds because I um, had closed the event for registration. They needed to pay you know, a small amount. And they wanted to, they wanted to contribute, you know, because it was, a, I think it was like free and contribute 20 pounds or something if you can. And so he came late and contributed, you know, he gave 20 pounds. And he was like, I'm sorry, I can register. I was like, don't worry about it, buddy. Now I had 20 pounds going home. And I was like, oh, I've got 20 pounds in my pocket. And so I see this man on the ground and he's got, uh, it looks like a bum leg. But I didn't really pay attention to that. I just saw that he was on the ground. I thought he was just laying there. 
I said, hey man, is there a hostel or something? Like, it's kind of cold outside. Got to know him a little bit, a little bit about his story. And he's like, oh, there's a hostel around the corner, but it's like 18 pounds or something. It was roughly in that number. And I was like, man, that's amazing. I got a 20 right here. And he looked at me, he was like, wow, that's awesome. And I was like, yeah, it's not that awesome. It's like 20 pounds. And it's really awesome though, that I got it because this guy showed up late and now you're here and you need about that amount. So that's cool. But then his face got kind of dejected again. I was like, man, this guy probably gets this stuff all the time. Like, you know, it's 20 pounds short-term fix, but it's not really helping the whole situation. And so I remember asking him, I was like, what's going on? Like, you know, can, can we, can I help you? Can I help you get there? And he's like, no, man, it's like, actually, I'm just kind of sad because I can't even get there. I haven't been able to move for three days. I haven't been able to move for three days. I was like, oh, dude, come on. Let me pray for your knee. Because he looked at his knee and he pointed. I was like, let me pray for you. And so I, I looked at him and, uh, and he said, okay, fine. Like, whatever, man. And I put my hand on his knee and I just said, we just command full healing in Jesus' name. And I watched this dude literally i watched him he started to bend his knee because okay, he couldn't bend it he'd been laying there three days london cold he starts to bend his knee and i'm like get up he starts getting up and this guy literally i have it on instagram there's a video on instagram i, I asked him i said can i video this? this is amazing he gets up he's like this is incredible i don't know what to do he starts crying starts crying walking around crying if you're, if you're not on Instagram, you've got to go find this video. It's one of my older IGTV videos from fall 2018. He starts crying. And I'm like, this is incredible. And my faith grew. My faith grew again. Uh, go on to another encounter with God. And, um, you know, now I'm in the, uh, this was Italy. so. I'm on my way to Italy for the month after London because God spoke to me earlier that year about bread. He said, I want you to bake bread to break bread because you need more community in your life. I got this cool idea. I was going to go to Italy and learn how to bake bread in a third generation kitchen and bakery because it sounded fun. I've always wanted to go back to Italy to my roots. I have some Italian roots. I did 23andMe DNA test, all of that, and found out I had Italian roots. And, uh, and so I go back to Italy and I decide in my head, I said, Hmm, where could I go? I don't know where to go. I messaged Mila, the woman that I had stayed with when I was there after my dad died. And I said, I remember there was a kitchen and bakery across the street from you at that Airbnb. Can you ask them if I can apprentice there for free? She said, Hey, they can't do it in this month. They can do it in that month. I said, let's do it for November. I'll turn 30 in Italy, November, 2018. So from London to Italy, I go to this town called Paterno for a month. I learned how to bake bread. Now, God spoke to me before that trip and said, this is going to be a trip from your father about your father to heal your heart. And I said, hmm, that's really interesting. Okay, from my father about my father. Well, I get the whole father thing because I went to Italy after my dad died. I don't know why I did it. I just thought it sounded like a good idea. And that's what my heart wanted to do. And I did it. And so I said, okay, I get that. I'll go to Italy and I, and I don't, I didn't really have necessarily the money or the time or whatever. I just, this was what I sensed was right in faith, right? It doesn't profit a man to receive without having the faith to receive. And so I just in faith received that word and said, I'm going to Italy. And so I planned, you know, I prepared and did some things and did the natural and then the supernatural stuff started to happen. Supernatural meaning my encounters with God. 
I end up in Italy for a month, learning how to bake bread and make pizza in a third generation bakery with a guy who's working in that kitchen and bakery because his father died when he was a young man, when he was a teenager. And when he went off to do his thing and become an adult, he realized he couldn't leave his family. So he came back to run the kitchen in the bakery, the bodega. And so he was in that kitchen and he was in that, that bakery, the bread baking facility across the street in this village called Paterno, Italy. He was there because his father had died when he was 13 or around that age. And then another man who was there had been hired by the father 20 some years earlier. And three months later, that father, the father who passed away, had left his family with two young boys and the mother to take care of the kitchen bakery bodega that was their you know, second, now third generation. And so the other man who was there, he was from uh, Morocco. I was like, what's this Moroccan guy doing in this Italian third generation small village family bakery? He said, by chance. He said, I didn't want to leave. I couldn't leave this family after the father had passed. And so I decided to stay. And 20 some years later, you know, here I am. And so now I'm, I'm in Italy, in Paterno. I'm working with these two guys I've never met in a kitchen that's about 400 some square feet, and then, you know, roughly. And I'm learning how to make pizza and bake bread and learning Italian, learning about my roots, right? And I'm with this Italian guy and this, this Moroccan guy. And one's, uh, you know, one's part of that family of that generational bakery and the other is, is not, but he's been there. And I'm staying across the street that I come to find out at Mila's place. And it's the same place that her father lived in before he passed. And three years earlier, she had decided to renovate so she could have more community through Airbnb. So now I'm in this small village in Paterno for a month, baking bread, learning how to make pizza with these three different people who become family. And I'm there through this common bond of losing a father in a place called, I learned after the fact, Paterno, Italy, paternal, the father line. There's a lot more to be said about that, more encounters with God. So I have an amazing trip there, get engaged to my wife. She comes over at the end of that trip. And then in winter 2018, uh, we're in Austin, Texas, and we're going to get food. And I see a man sending out and it, and it looks just like a rough situation. His leg is huge and it's expanded. And it's, he, he's just hobbling around. And I tell my sister to stop, I get out. And I'm like, hey man, can I just pray for your leg? And I just have so much faith at this point, just coming off of all these different experiences. And he was like, yeah, man, sure. And of course, you know, I was asking, and I say, of course, but I, I skipped through the part. I asked people, hey man, what's your name? How you doing? And you know, what do you need? And, and sometimes people need food. Sometimes they need a hug. You know what I mean? Like we can't make assumptions about what people need. But then I saw he was hobbling. I'm like, that looks uncomfortable. Can I pray for your leg? He was like, yeah. And I get overwhelmed, overwhelmed because I've got my hands on both sides of this guy's leg and I'm grabbing his calf. And I asked him, of course, and, and I'm grabbing his calf and I'm watching like his jeans actually start to loosen. His, his calf was so swollen. It had expanded to the to the max amount on his jeans. 
And like, there was no room, there was no slack in his jeans. And as I'm praying, literally his calf is like going down. The swelling is going down before my eyes and I am laughing, overwhelmed with joy. And I'm having this encounter with God and God brings, there's so much more than like, and people, if you're in the church, like, guess what? Yes, salvation is important. And that's like the idea that we're saved from our sin. But like, if that's all you're stuck on, you're missing out on the, on, on the joy set before the cross. That's why Jesus endured it. It's like the joy, the joy set before him is why he endured it. And it's like, what that means is it's like, it's more than salvation. Okay. There's so much freedom from torment in our soul and joy from healing of our bodies. And, uh, and I read that in a book. Um, I think it was Bill Johnson who said that, but it was like, that makes so much sense to me because when I started to experience the joy of seeing people set free in their soul and, and actually being healed in their body, there's like, there's no, there is no greater satisfaction in this world. There's no greater satisfaction in this world. So um, I, I continued on and I'm just going to give you a couple more but just wanted to to show you know just the increasing encounters that that happen over the course of time. Gosh, there's so many. I just only wrote a few. Another experience in healing was in Philadelphia. I'm in a car going to a breathing seminar in, in March 2019, and um, I'm in this car, and the driver just seems like he's having kind of a hard day and. Long and short, come to find out, like we take the wrong way. There's a roadblock and we end up taking an hour. I'm late to the seminar. And on the way over, I find out that he's been with this girl that he's been with for, I don't know, a long time, maybe eight, 10 years, I'm not sure. But she's like really sick. She's really sick. And so God uh, asked me, okay, he asked me. I always say he asked me rather than he tells me. I know God can tell you things and I receive that, but he asked, he's a gentleman. He's like, Hey, would you, do you want to pray for this, this girl over the phone? So I'm like, Hey man, can we, you know, we got an hour car ride here. Like we got traffic, we got this, that, the other. I was like, you want to call up your girl? Like, I'd love to pray for her. He's like, well, you know, I don't know if we really believe in that stuff. I was like, that's okay. Like what's the worst thing that can happen. And so he calls her up. And anyway, I talk with her about the things that he had told me that she was struggling with, but then God tells me about her needs. And I'm like, Hmm. And he tells me specifically about, I think it was her left knee or right knee, I forget, but one of her knees. And he looks back at me and he's like, I didn't tell him, like, I didn't tell him that. He's talking to his, his girlfriend or his wife, whoever it was on the phone. They've been together a long time. I don't remember anymore. And he's like, hey, baby, I, I, didn't, tell, I didn't tell this dude about your knee. And she's like, yeah, like, it's weird you knew that. And I'm like, yeah, that's not me. That's God. And so I pray for it. She starts feeling better over the phone, starts getting healing. I'm like so full of joy. It's amazing. There's an Instagram story about that one too. And then there was a greater word of knowledge uh, in that same spring. Um, and this was specifically about a sum of money. And so I'm in this service. I hear a pastor speaking. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. God has been speaking to this pastor about the same thing he's been speaking to me about. This topic is specifically money. The pastor's not asking for money from the church. He's actually telling the church he believes he's, he wants to see businesses grow and prosper, all that stuff. I'm about to get married. I'm like, man, I need all the money we can get because like we still have debt. I'm trying to get married. We're going to Italy. Uh, you know, so I'm thinking, wow, like I would love to be blessed as a business even more than we already have. And then God gives me a word and he's like, hey, 
this amount of money. And, uh, and, and, and he, it's a larger sum of money. And he's like, this amount of money. I'm like, whoa, what is that? Because that was a random amount of money. And he's like, nope, this amount of money. And I want you to, uh, to give it to the church. And I'm like, uh, okay. Like I didn't belong to this church. I didn't, you know, none of that. I was just like, well, okay, God, can you confirm that to me? So I go down and they're like, Hey, if you want prayer for your business to come down. So I come down and get prayer for my business. But I'm like, no, I'm like, God, can you confirm what you just asked of me? This large amount of money. And I'm like, Hmm. Okay. So I'm sitting there and then somebody comes over and they're like, Hey man, would you like prayer for? I was like, let's just see what God has to say. And so he waits and this guy's really, it's called Holy Spirit led. Like he waits on God, hear God's voice rather than just praying all these random things. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, God, I really hope that you can help TJ see the fires to put out in other people's lives. Like, I really believe God wants you to put out fires in people's lives. And it switched. And I just immediately, I got it. I was like, it was give to the pastor, not to the church. And that's a big deal, right? Because you're not getting a write-off when you give a gift to the pastor. You're giving, a, you're getting a write-off when you give it to the church. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. But I turned around. Savannah was there with me. I looked at her. I said, hey, I know we were going to talk about any decision over this amount of money. Well, this is well over that amount of money. And I know we're getting married, but I really sensed and heard the voice of God. And I got the confirmation and she's like, well, there he is. So I run up on stage, catch the pastor. I'm like, hey man, you got a quick second. I know you don't know me. I start telling him all these details he doesn't need to know. And then I'm like, look, I just need your chase info because I need to send you some money. Uh, this specific amount of money because God asked me to. And he like, his head, hand went to his head and he was like, he was like, God told me that somebody was going to give me that amount of money today. God told me somebody was going to, and he's like shaking his head like, this is crazy. Anyway, what that did for me was more important than what that did for anybody else. You know what I mean? And that, like this guy would go on with his life, probably being fine without that money. I'd go on with my life. That was not about the money. And what I've learned, especially when it relates to money and gifting, is that it's always, it's about that person and their relationship with God. It's not about you and that person. And what God's done through me in that example is he's given me so much more faith to just really trust him and hear his voice. The last one I want to share with you is, um, and if you're still listening, I'm very impressed that you have listened uh, to this extent. And it tells me that you're very hungry. So I hope that uh, you will experience so much more than, than I've been experiencing. And I believe you will. I, believe, I know you can. Um, the last one I want to share is, we were in um, we were in Newport or down towards Laguna, and we were going to spend the day at the beach with um, my family. And I'll tell you more about that. I got reconnected to my biological family. That's a whole nother story about my biological father. Getting an email from him two years to the date that my father died. It's a whole crazy story about God's redemptive work and just um, what he's done with fatherhood in my life and just how cool that is. But going to the beach in Laguna and, uh, and so I got, uh, I saw a guy on the side of the road with these power cables trying to jump his car. And I was like, man, Savannah, we got to help this guy. Like we've been there because we had just gotten a new car. And, 
and our old car was, we had that situation happen so many times, which is a cool story because God got that, or Savannah got that car for free. She woke up one day saying, God, I think God's going to give me a car for free. And later that week, God gave her that car for free. It was crazy. She never had a car in her life. She needed a car to drive out to California. Somebody called and said, hey, do you want this car? Anyway, that's the car we were driving at the beginning of our marriage. Another God encounter moment. Um, and, uh, and by the way, I've had plenty of God encounter moments that are not so like amazing, joyful, but they're like tender, merciful, crying in my room because my heart's broken and I don't know how to pick up the life, pick up the pieces of my life. So I just want to mention that because God encounters look very different for everybody and in, in different seasons, they'll look very different. But uh, I want to share all these amazing ones like this because I want to give you more faith. So God keeps increasing these words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Words of wisdom are being able to explain biblical truth in ways you can understand. Words of knowledge are being able to identify, for example, that somebody has back pain. And how else would I know that? And words of, uh, and then healing itself is just the act of healing. Um, uh, and, and I really believe it's God's grace or mercy or opportunity for us to receive his love for us um, that allows all these different things. And so then there was this greater word of knowledge that happened on the side of the road in Newport Laguna, wherever we were. Um, I just don't remember what the beach town is classified in. And so this guy's on the side of the road and he's really anxious and he's like, I got to get back to work and do all this stuff. And we, we take the jumper uh, cables. I, it's a busy road. It's like, it's like people flying 50, 60 miles an hour. We end up there. We jump his car. That's like the starting point. But this guy wants to like, he's so hungry. And I saw it and I was like, Hey man, I, I'm not the guy who goes up and is like, hey, you need Jesus in your life. That's not me. But I, and I, I went earlier in my faith, my spiritual maturity, because we all have different levels of maturity, different areas of our life. I could be mature spiritually, but immature physically, you know, like immature in my practical wisdom in life. But I, I've had earlier in my spiritual maturity uh, or my prematurity, whatever you want to call it, I was kind of like, I'd seen people go, hey, you need Jesus in your life. So I thought that was, no, that's not what you do. But anyway. Um, so I looked at this guy and I was just like, Hey, um, I know you're heading out, but dude, I really like hope that you have peace in your heart the rest of today. Like, I really hope that you have peace in your heart because, um, I just really sense that that would be something you value and something that would really help you right now, just with everything going on. And I wasn't talking about the car situation. I sent something greater, but I didn't know what, what it was. I just, and he was like, man, that like speaks to me so hard right now. He's like, you're not the first person that's, that's kind of told me and talked to me about God. And I didn't, I didn't really say God. And he, so he starts opening up and about all that. And I'm like, okay, we end up talking for about an hour now. And this guy goes through this wrestle. God had shown me that he'd almost been killed and he'd shown me that he'd made an inner vow or agreement to, to trust nobody. And this dude literally pulls out his right arm, shows me a tattoo that says, trust no one. And it kept him from having faith to receive, to believe, to profit from the truth that he's heard in his life. And so we go through this experience of walking him through breaking that agreement, making a new agreement, trusting, learning to, to trust, literally taking a step forward saying like, He's like, yeah, I've been to church. I've given my heart to Jesus. I'm like, no, dude, no, there's a very big difference between showing up at church and authentically choosing to give your heart to Jesus. I was like, there's a lot of people who are in churches who haven't given their heart to Jesus. And it's the difference between somebody following a manuscript and somebody living a changed life. 
And I said, this is from your heart. God measures your heart. And I said, this is up to you. It's not for me. And I don't take this lightly. Like, is that something you want for your life? And I really don't take that stuff lightly, especially with Jesus, right? And choosing who you follow. Anyway, because God had given me a word about this dude almost being killed. And he was like, how did you know that? And this, that, and the other. He starts to believe like, whoa, this is crazy. Maybe this guy does know God. Maybe there is a God that I can trust. And so, and all the other seeds, of course, that had been planted and nurtured and grown over the course of his lifetime and the different experiences he had, right? Led him to that point. And he's like, wow, I want to do this. I want to give my life to Jesus. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. That's a, that's a God encounter right there. And so then in that process, we come back to the original question, which was like, hey, what do I do about work? And he had been telling me about this one guy. He didn't mention his name. He just told me about this one guy, man. I just keep thinking about this one guy who met, uh, who I met on a bus, who offered me a job. He told me that I could have this life and blah, 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 blah. And he would hire me and he was a pastor and, and he just was so encouraging and gave me all these ideas and all that stuff. And so I said, I said, man, that sounds like a pretty obvious thing, right? You're asking what you do for work and how you not strive, doing 15 different jobs, struggling because your car's breaking down. And then you're telling me about this guy that keeps coming to your mind as we're in this conversation that is a good dude, apparently, is encouraging. He's a pastor. He wanted you to cut. That doesn't mean anything, by the way. It's just a name, right? It's just a pastor. You can be a doctor and be a good or bad doctor. But, and, and guess what? And he asked you to come work for him. And he said he would like do all these you know, help you, support you, get you on your feet because he saw potential in you. And he was like, yeah, man. And he just goes through the struggle. And I said, man, I bet I, I have a very strong hunch that you hear the voice of God. I was like, I really believe it. So I was like, rather than asking me, I was in my coaching moment. I'm like, what do we do next? Right. What do we do next? And I'm like, you can't rely on other people in your life to, you know, to be your only voice. Like you really do have to hear the voice of God. And so I said, I, I believe you hear the voice of God. And so I'm like, why don't you just pray? We're at the end of this one hour. I'm like, we got to go to the beach. Why don't you just pray? Like right now, not pray later. Like now, what, like God, what do I do next about my job? Really simple. Not why am I here? What, why am I on this earth? What do I do next? You're not triggering, triggering emotions with a why question. You're triggering practical solutions with a what question. And so he's asking and he's like, man, he starts mumbling and he starts praying out loud. And I look at him dead in the eye and I stop him. And I say, who's Jimmy? And he looks up at me and he turns into a ghost, ghost white. And he said, who are you? I said, who's Jimmy? He said, Jimmy's the pastor that offered me the job. How did you know that? I didn't tell you his name. I said, I didn't know that. God told me. And this guy starts freaking out. I, I lose my stuff. I lose it. Like I start yelling. I'm so excited. I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing. And I'm screaming and I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And uh, 
man, it's so awesome. And I remember, so I texted him, I texted him and I said, I said, how'd that call go with Jimmy? So we part ways, I actually get his number. Cause I'm like, man, I want to know what this guy's doing in his life. It's so cool. God wanted to speak to him in that way. And I said, how'd that call go with Jimmy? Just kind of asking like a follow-up, hey man, you know, did you talk with him? He said, well, I had to ask him for clarity if that was really his name, even though I already knew it because I didn't want to forget because I could have never forgot. I talked to him sporadically here and there. Um, I'm just really confused about how that's possible. Literally, he's like, I'm just really confused about how that's possible. I know you can't see that on the screen if you're watching the video. And I said, how what's possible? He said that you could know his name or anything about him. It can't be anything that other, other than coming straight from God or Jesus. I'm just trying so hard to wrap my head around it. And I can't, no matter how hard I try. This guy literally texted this dude, Jimmy. And he said, he said, how do I know? He said, does, does, uh, I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. And I'm just summarizing here. I, a man of God just spoke to me and I swear it was from Jesus himself. I just want to make sure that I got your name correct, that it's Jimmy. And he said, uh, the only people that call me Jimmy are people who know me really well. And I'm like super pumped, super, super pumped. Um, he said, there's only a couple people that call him Jimmy and those are only people that are close to him. That's amazing. And then he messages me later um, and he lets me know. This was in California. And he said, uh, I wanted to share this with you guys. I'm just scrolling through my text message very quickly. This is amazing. Ever since the day you and your wife pulled up, I can feel a change inside of me being made with almost every breath. Have a great day. I'm in Kansas right now. Going to visit him tomorrow. It's the last I heard from him. It's awesome, man. So I hope that you can receive those stories with a deposit of faith. Because it's that deposit of faith that's really going to let you profit, let you prosper, let you grow um, in your own faith, but also I believe in your satisfaction in life. And I'll leave you with this. Life is not a this earth thing. There's no finite winning or losing here on earth. We are playing an eternal game. Okay? There's no winning or losing in, in an eternal game. And that's why there's no winning or losing on this earth. Yeah, you can have a scoreboard and win or lose, but you, you can't play an eternal game for wins and losses. Okay, so there needs to be a different perspective, a different mindset around this and a different heart posture around this. This isn't about winning or losing. This is about the fulfillment that we get, the peace, the joy, the satisfaction, and really the depth of emotions, the depth of our experiences 
that really allow us to fully experience our life. And so I hope that these stories from my story, these God stories can really encourage you to grow in your depth and your joy and fulfillment in your own life. I love you guys so much. If you're listening um, or watching, I want you guys to know that um, we really appreciate if you get benefit from anything that you listen to, the best thing that you can do is subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Follow it if you're on Spotify. If you're on Apple, subscribe, rate, and review. Um, share it with a friend. That would be the only other thing I'd ask of you because we really do want to um, allow people to be impacted in a positive way. If you are listening and you want more, um, you can always visit my website and you can get access to my emails that I write weekly. Uh, there's also live webinars that we do with experts talking about things like living a more fulfilling life, living on purpose, but also things like addressing adrenal dysfunction or what it means to process loss or um, how to actually think about nutrition 101. A lot of different topics. We cover spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical, the whole you. And our goal is to help you become a more whole, healthier, wealthier, not just financially, wealthier inside, happier person, the person that you're made to be. So if any of that resonates with you, would love to have you guys on my email list because you guys will get access to a lot of things that people who are not on the email list don't get access to. Like, for example, before things become paid offers, they are free offers to you guys. Or if there's a private event, you guys will get those offers or invitations. And also, you just get an inside look into my story, my thought process, things that are happening as I'm trying to grow a business, as I'm trying to live my life and grow in my experiences, live a deeper journey myself. So you can find me on Instagram, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Those are two great places to find me, TJ Loeffler, T-J-L-O-E-F-F-L-E-R. And the last thing I'll say is you can visit my website um, to join my email list, but also get my book. And uh, you'll get the book, Back to Basics, How to Get More Out of Life by Doing Less Than You Think, where we talk a little bit more about some of the things that um, I'm talking about on this season, but in a more practical sense of the idea of connection, connecting yourself to God self and others, among other things in what we call the core pillar system that are going to help you live a life of more peace and order and all these other things. So I appreciate you guys for listening. Thanks for your attention. And, uh, and I hope this was encouraging for you.